Good morning, NBCC. Hope you guys are doing well today. We're so excited we can worship together right now. And just as we continue to lift up our Lord, I just want to encourage you to sing out these songs of praise to our God, that we can be here and just give him 100% of our time this morning. All right. I count on things Same God who's never late He won't fail me, no He won't fail me, no See my waiting Same God who's never late He's working all things out He's working all things out Yes, I will Lift you high in the lowest valley, yes, I will bless your name. Yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy all my days. Oh, yes, I will. I count on one thing Same God is never late He won't fail me, no He won't fail me, no He's in my waiting Same God is never late He's working all things out He's working all things out Yes, I will sing for the 
Nothing could stand against you and I choose to praise Glorify, glorify the name of all names Nothing could stand against In the valley, oh God, you're near. In the quiet, oh God, you're near. When I feel alone, oh God, you're near. At my lowest, oh God, you're near. Since birth through my life 
could pull us apart, we joined us point by blood in a whole so happy to see your smiling faces here with us this morning. I'm really excited to get into the Word today, and we really want to connect with you. So if it's your first time here this morning, go ahead and text the number on your screen and text the word CONNECT. As you've heard, we've had a food drive over the past couple of months, every Tuesday and Thursday. It's been super awesome because all the food has been able to be donated to South County Outreach. As a whole, we've raised about a thousand pounds of food, which is incredible. So if you want to get a part of something amazing like that, go ahead and text SERVE to that same number on your screen. Now more than ever, it is so important to give. If you're feeling called this morning, you can go to our website or our mobile app so that we can partner with God and let Him expand our blessings to the kingdom more than we ever could on our own. I hope you're as excited as I am. We've just transitioned in 2 Peter, so let's check out week two of what Pastor Mike has to say. 
Good morning and welcome to MVCC. I'm really glad that we can be together this morning. As you can tell, we're in a little bit different setting and I just wanted to do something a little different today. I wanted to uh, uh, give us uh, the word out of the book of 2 Peter, but I wanted to do it in a setting that just is from my heart and from my home. And so I just want to imagine, you know, we're kind of in the living room here and you're just sitting here on the couch and we're just having this discussion about how great Jesus is and the message that we have out of 2 Peter. So I thought the best way to begin is let's just open with a word of prayer together. So would you just pray with me? God, I thank you so much that your word is true. And I thank you, God, that you said your word is sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates the very heart and soul of who we are, God. And I just pray, Jesus, that the word today is, is given for your glory, Lord. We want you to get all the credit. God, we pray for change, especially in our nation right now. where so much unrest and division and problems and racism. God, we believe the only cure to all of this is relationship with you, Jesus. And I just pray, God, out of this study that you will cause us to be more like you. And we just ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. All right, so if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of the letter of 2 Peter. We're going to be in the first chapter, verses 5 through 11. Now, if you're with us last week, we did one through four verses, but um, I just want to give a little bit of background before we get into verses 5 through 11. I've always found that uh, the more I know the author of a book, or if I've met him or her, or especially, you know, if they signed the book and I had an opportunity to meet them, the book means so much more. And so um, Peter, who wrote this letter, uh, he was a fisherman. In fact, um, there were times that he wasn't a very good fisherman. He uh, took the family business. He was in Galilee. It was a place that uh, fish, uh, fishermen were kind of known as kind of uh, gruff and vile and kind of vulgar. And he was contempt and loud mouth. And he often uh, kind of just jumped out in places where he shouldn't have jumped out. His personality was kind of rough. He was, had a brother named Andrew. And uh, Andrew meets Jesus one day who's Started, Jesus started his three-year ministry, and he calls Andrew to follow him. Andrew is so enamored with who Jesus is. He goes and he gets Peter, and he says, Peter, you got to meet this guy. I think I found the Messiah, the one that we've been waiting for. Of course, they were Jewish, and so they read the Old Testament. They knew the Old Testament stories that God would one day send the Messiah to come and save them. And So this is a lot of excitement. There's a lot of groundswell of enthusiasm here. And basically, Andrew says, Peter, you got to come and see this guy. And I love that simple invitation. Peter comes and he meets Jesus. And, and Jesus looks into the eyes of Peter and says, Peter, I want you to come follow me. And so it says that Peter left everything to follow Jesus, as did Andrew and the other apostles. Now, what's really interesting about this is, in fact, it's kind of ironic that, that Peter was this swashbuckling fisherman who was very rough and gruff and didn't come from a good background. In fact, most of the uh, disciples of Jesus, the friends of Jesus, they came from a really rough background. In fact, Peter um, had a couple of friends named James and John, and they were nicknamed in their hometown Sons of Thunder. These were kind of hell raisers. They would uh, cause all kinds of problems in their town. And Jesus took a rough bunch of guys like this, and he absolutely molded them, and he shaped them, into a whole new person and a force that changed human history, a movement that changed human history as we know of Christianity today. What, what makes it so ironic is that Peter struggled. I mean, he wasn't the most perfect guy. In fact, it's, it's really cool how Jesus is just so amazing how he takes somebody from their life and where they're at and their rough edges and he says, come follow me. And it's a process of smoothing those rough edges out to make them more into the person of who Jesus is. And we, we get to see the contrast of that. 
So, so just as an example, you know, Peter was often, you know, sticking his foot in his mouth. He said things he shouldn't have said. He did things he shouldn't have said or done when he was following Jesus. I'll give you an example. Um, um, the disciples uh, were asked by Jesus, um, who do people say that I am? And here Peter says, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. He just steps out. He proclaims it. He's bold. He's courageous. He goes up on this mountaintop with Jesus. Peter, James, and John, Jesus invites to go to the Mount of Transfiguration. And Jesus is transformed before their very eyes into all of his glory. And here Peter is looking into the eyes of God and he sees Moses, Jesus, and Elijah. I mean, it must have been an incredible moment. And Peter just kind of blurts out, why don't we just pitch a tent here and let's just stay up here, Jesus. Why do we even have to go down the mountain? I I love, you know, Peter's enthusiasm, even though he kind of often spoke out of turn. But, but then there was a moment when they got down from the mountain and Jesus is sitting with his disciples and it's getting to the end of Jesus' life. He knows that he's going to go to the cross. In fact, Peter is so bold, he actually tells Jesus, hey, Jesus, you can't go to Jerusalem. You can't die. That's not the plan. I mean, he's so bold and he's just so out there. He just sticks his foot in his mouth. He even has the audacity to confront the Son of God face to face. But you take all of those experiences in Peter's life and you see a guy who's absolutely transformed. He is renewed. He is a new creation from the inside out. Peter had the privilege of sharing the first gospel story message. And 3,000 people, Jewish people, gave their lives to Jesus Christ, along with Greeks and others in that area. People of all races and all colors and all languages. 3,000 people. It was one of the greatest revivals that we see in the Bible And they're all baptized and they're all following Jesus. In fact, it was so crazy good that all those languages and races decided to stay in the Jerusalem area for a longer period of time just because they enjoyed Jesus and they enjoyed being together knowing that they had faith in Christ. It was life-changing. And so um, I I just think it's really cool that the author of this letter moves from a place of really having a rough background and struggling and failing and making mistakes and sinning. And and he moves into a place in a process of being more like Jesus. And that's what I wanted to talk about today is us not growing old. I got to be honest with you. I'm not excited about growing older. I'm excited about growing up to be more like Jesus. And that's where I believe Peter is writing this letter to a specific group of people in Asia Minor who We're experiencing a lot of bad teaching, false teaching, wrong teaching about who Jesus was. And and Peter wanted to set the record straight that Jesus is the Son of God. He is the Savior. He is God in flesh. And don't let anybody deter you from that. And so we, we pick it up here knowing that in these first four verses that Peter was reminding them, hey, if you know Christ by faith, you have been saved by His grace, man. It's not by good works. It's not because we go to church or read our Bible or we try to do good or we give money to causes. That's not why we know we're going to heaven. We know we have eternal life because of Jesus's grace that he gave us for free when he died on that cross and he rose again and he gave us new life. That's how we know we have eternal life. And he reminds them of that in those first four verses. So he says, because you know you have eternal life and you know you've been saved by grace, Now I want to tell you how to grow up in your faith. So let's get right into it. Verse 5 through 11. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge 
and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed by their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble, and you will receive a rich welcome in the, e the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What I, what I say, what I, I see here is that Peter is writing this letter, and in a nutshell, here's what he's trying to communicate. Your faith is confirmed. Your calling of following Christ in every aspect of life is confirmed not by what you say, but it's confirmed by what you do. And can I just be really honest with you? I think we need a whole lot of, a group of believers who not say they follow Jesus, but they are living by what they say following Jesus. There's a lot of social media going on right now, and everybody's posting something about what's going on in our nation. I'll be real honest with you. I'm not really impressed with postings and people saying things. What I'm impressed with is when we follow Jesus and do what Jesus would do. And I just find that Peter is a great example. He didn't just say, hey, here's what you do. He backed it up with his life and his example. So the first thing he says is basically there's goodness. There should be some, there should be goodness in our life. And that's really translated having the courage to do what is right. It's not necessarily doing the things that aren't right. It's doing the things that are right for the benefit of others. It's, it's what Philippians tells us to consider others better than ourselves. It's lifting others up. It's, it's looking into the eyes of Jesus and seeing someone in how he sees them and then acting upon that. So that's the first thing he says, I want there to be goodness in your life. You know, when you meet someone and you just, you just from the first few moments of meeting them, you just, you sense that, that God is in there, that, that, that they love God. It's just by who they are and that goodness is there. Second is, he says, I want there to be knowledge. Now he's not talking about just knowing about God. He's talking about the Greek word gnosis, which really means the experiential knowledge of God. That means knowing him personally. That means having an intimate relationship with Jesus. And because we know him personally, we have the knowledge when we read the word that we then can obey the word and follow him and do what Jesus would do. That, that we can say what Jesus would say. And, and in the knowledge of knowing the word of God, we experience that when we are what the Bible calls abiding in Christ. It's basically having the calling that he's saying to do what Jesus would do, having the knowledge of, oh yeah, this is, this is how Jesus is. And then he moves into a third area called, I really want you to have this thing called self-control. I want you to grow up in being controlled by the Spirit. I think it's a two-way street. We are having self-control, not following our emotions often or not reacting off of a situation, but it's simply acting in step with the Spirit, being self-controlled of the things that we say and the things that we do. And I'm just, I'm just grateful for other scriptures like um, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, where it says, take every, cap, every thought captive as though they were Christ. And, and we should be thinking about the word and thinking, what would Jesus do here? And, 
How would Jesus handle the situation as we're growing up in faith? I, th I think the other aspect that I, I love he says here is perseverance and patience. Now, this is something that most of us, I'm sure, struggle with. You know, I want patience and I want it now, but it doesn't come like that. Patience comes when we are willing to endure trials that come our way, difficulties that come in life, hardships, um, situations that we don't know what the outcome is going to be, but we trust God in that. I, I don't, I'll be honest with you, I don't like waiting. I don't like, you know, having, not having patience. I want to have more patience, but um, sitting at a red light, a signal, you know, I don't like waiting for the red light. I don't like waiting in line to get my food. I don't like, you know, waiting for others. I, I want something and I want it now. And that's just kind of human nature. I had a friend of mine tell me one time, he says, you know what? Life will always be from one experience to the next. But if you can learn to sit down in the waiting room rather than pacing in the waiting room, you'll learn what it really means to trust God and have patience. And I, that visual helped me so much. He leads into another one of the aspects of, of living like Christ here and growing up in faith. Remember, we're talking about, you know, not growing old. We're talking about growing up. And that is the quality of godliness. And, you know, as I'm sharing this word with you, if there's something that strikes you, I have a question or you maybe just want to talk. There's a place to actually chat right now as you're watching this message. And I think in the, the aspect of, of godliness it just simply means to live like God. What would he do? Um, how would he act? The example that I think of is um, Jonah, I'm sorry, um, Joseph in the Old Testament. Joseph was a guy that we don't read a whole lot about how he strayed away from the Lord and walked away from the Lord and fell into sin. He was a guy that was so absolutely focused on what God told him to do. Even when his brothers threw him, were jealous of him because God gave him these dreams and literally they threw him into a cistern and left him for dead. And then they went back to their dad and lied and said that their brother had been attacked by this, this wild animal and died. I mean, it's just a horrific situation. And if there was one person that had every right to get back at his brothers, it would have been Joseph. But Joseph was so God-like that he chose to forgive his brothers. And, and not hold it against them. Man, I wish I could do that. Because there's times in my life that I, I really want to hold those record of wrongs before someone. You know, I may not verbally say that at times, but in my mind, I remember when they did this. When I hear their name, it brings it up again. And I remember it and I hold it against them. And what happens is it starts to erode at my own soul. And I think that's why he says, I want you to grow up in being like me, like God. So the question is, how do we do that? Well, I found the best way is the Word. The Word with the power of the Holy Spirit coupled with an obedient life. It, it brings about the godliness that we so desperately need in our world right now. I think um, the next one that he lays out very clearly is kindness. And, and kindness is just simply being kind. It, it's, it's simply reaching out to somebody who's on the margin of life, who helping somebody else who cannot be helped by another. It's, it's, it's reaching down into the um, heart of a person and seeing where they're at, helping someone else who can't help themselves. I, I love the illustration in the Bible of the Good Samaritan. All the people that passed by, they, they knew what was right. It's not knowing what's right. It's doing what's right. And, and simple acts of kindness along the way are, can be a wonderful witness 
to who God is. And I think this is so awesome because um, Peter writes these words, and then the Apostle Paul almost says the same exact thing. They complement one another in Galatians chapter 5, where Paul says, hey guys, I want you to live by the Holy Spirit. I want you to live by the Spirit. So I want you to grow in love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. If we look at that list and look at the list that Peter gives, it, they just mirror together so wonderfully. And, and then Peter wraps the whole thing up basically by tying this thing in a bow by saying, love is the ultimate. It's simply unconditionally loving somebody else. It's, it's loving somebody else in Jesus' name. Unconditional love means that we have a love that's for free. Jesus gave it to us for free. It's a love that will never leave us. And it gives us a reason to wake up in the morning. And we can give that love to somebody else. Now, now, we know that. If you're a Christ follower, we know that. But the tough part is doing that. Now, the danger of all this is hearing these things, these seven qualities. I'm, I'm on point with this. Okay, God, I'm tracking with this. I know, uh, this is, I know this is the right thing. The danger is sitting in a religious service and thinking that knowing it is enough. But Jesus said, those who do the will of my Father. See, it's, it's doing what Jesus has called us to do. It's not just knowing it. And, and I think that it's really clear that Peter is wanting us now to grow up in these qualities of Christ. And so here, here's the question. Once again, are we growing old in our faith? Are we cranky? Do we want it our way? Are we selfish? Are, are we actually detracting from being the person of Jesus? Or... Are we growing up in our faith? Um, we had some uh, friends of ours that we went to uh, Universal Studios with a long time ago. And we had, um, you know, paid for our tickets and got in Universal Studios. And um, uh, friends of ours left for just a few minutes and they came back and they handed our family these, um, these little uh, lanyards. And I don't know if you can see this, but it says front of the line. And I got to tell you, um, I was looking at this uh, the other day and it just reminded me of this passage because um, this is exactly what Jesus does for us. Can I tell you that um, when we had these front of the line lanyards as we were um, just hanging around our neck and we were walking around Universal Studios for the entire day, there was like this peace, there was like this joy. We weren't stressed out about, you know, getting to the event or to the ride quickly as we needed to. We, we just strolled along and went in a peaceful way because we knew the whole time that we would be in the front of the line. And I think this is exactly what Jesus has done for us, that he gave us his love and his grace, and, and we already have it. He, he gives it to us spiritually, you know, around our neck to wear. And we know that we're where we are, and we know that we're going to heaven, not because of the good things that we do. We don't get to heaven by doing these seven things. We do these seven things because he's already given us the ticket to get to the front of the line. The front of the line meaning heaven. Now, here's the Here's the interesting thing. Somebody paid for these tickets. They didn't just happen. Jesus, when he went to the cross, when he died, laid himself down on the cross, and he allowed those Roman soldiers to pound those nails in his hands and feet. He did that because of love. And he did that to pay for your salvation. That's what motivates me right now. That's what motivates me to grow up in my faith. I want to be more like him. Goodness, knowledge, self-control, patience, 
godliness, kindness, and love. I want to do those things because he loved me and he gave me the most precious gift of eternal life. Not only life, life in heaven, but life here on earth. So the real crux of all this is how do we do this? Well, to put it real plainly, we're going to have to give up some stuff. We're going to have to give up some things because it's going to, as it costs Jesus, his life, to trade his life for ours, to live in these seven qualities, it's going to cost us something. Our time, our money, our resources, maybe even our reputation. But the payoff is so much greater than what it will cost us. I think secondly is we're going to have to be willing to get out of our comfort zone. You know, here in South County, it's really easy because we have the comfortable life. We have cars and houses and vacations and all these things that we have, air conditioning and heated seats in our cars and just we have everything we need. We can go down to the grocery store and get our food. And, but it's going to require us to get out of our comfort zone. But that's the most exciting way to live for Christ is living on the edge when we're comfortable with being uncomfortable. That's what Peter wants the believers to know, this exhilarating, enthusiastic lifestyle of living for Jesus in these seven qualities. But you got to be willing to get out of your comfort zone. I think the third and last thing is, is simply this. we got to be willing to check ourselves. i got to be willing to check myself right here. How am I doing with kindness? How, how am I doing with self-control? And, and, and we really want to take this further. How am I doing this at home? Because really, home the people that see me all the time, the people that see you and know you best, how am I doing with these? Asking ourselves that question brings us to a greater place of surrender. Really wanna, really wanna get this thing working right is ask your spouse, ask your husband or wife, hey, how am I doing with godliness and kindness? I think it's good to check ourselves, not to make ourselves feel bad or slither under the carpet and, oh man, I just can't do these seven qualities. I might as well just give up. Now, we know that Jesus always has us in the palm of his hand. Now, the last thing I just want to tie this up with um, really quick is we can't do this on our own power. Just as Peter had a transformed life through the power of the Holy Spirit, when God breathed on Peter and he received the Holy Spirit with the other apostles, they were infused and indwelt with the power of the resurrected Christ. Literally, they had the power of God, just like we do. But if we try to do these things on our own, it just won't work. I, I saw something uh, on the internet, and uh, you'll see it right here in just a moment. But there's a, a, a car called a Volkswagen Touring. And um, in fact, um, I have that car. Crazy story. I got this car. I'm going to show you in just a minute. I got this car for $1,000. And as you look at that picture, you'll notice that this Volkswagen Touring is pulling on, on, this, on the, the, the strip of, of an airway. It, it is on the runway. It's pulling a 747 airplane. Literally, that V8 engine is pulling a 747. Thousands of pounds. I mean, it's just amazing. But here's the thing about that. When I looked at that picture, I thought to myself, that's sometimes how I live my life. I'm trying to do these things on my own effort, pulling. Now, the reality is that Volkswagen Touring, as cool as it is, never got that 747 off the ground. We'll never get off the ground and let Jesus do what he wants to do through us until we have the power of the Holy Spirit in us. And that's what I want to encourage you with. So come with me. I want to show you my car because I want this to be a visual for you that you'll never forget. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to live the way Jesus wants us to live. Come, come with me, I'll show you. This is the car right here. The Volkswagen Touring even says right here, V8, it's powerful. 
It can pull a 747, amazing, but it still can't get it off the ground. Just like we can try hard out of our own effort, but until we get off the ground through the Holy Spirit power, we're never gonna be able to live those seven virtues that Jesus wants us to live. So I encourage you, reliance on the Holy Spirit is what gets us off the ground to live this Christ-filled life so the world can see more of Jesus.